in Acts chapter 25 tonight. Acts chapter 25. We are going to have just enough weeks left in the year to finish this book out because I'm going to be gone the next two, but we will still have enough. And I always like starting a whole new book the first Wednesday. And so it works out perfect. Uh, but we are in chapter 25, almost done. And really, um, these really starting from chapter 20, on it's just kind of one continuous thing it's kind of one continuous story that we've been seeing and in chapter 21 uh, we see where paul doesn't listen to anyone and he ends up going to jerusalem anyway he bends over backwards trying to keep the jews happy but either way a riot breaks out he's beat up and then the romans rescue him from the jews chapter 22 Paul starts speaking to the Jews. The Romans allow him to speak there on the steps as he's about to be arrested, but the Jews shut him down. They say away with him. In chapter 23, Paul is standing before a council of Jews and Romans, and uh, the Jews weren't having anything, so they end up sending Paul to Caesarea. And then in chapter 24, Paul is standing before the governor Felix in Caesarea, But then he ends up in prison for two years while they're waiting for one of the soldiers to uh, be able to come and testify. And by this time, Festus comes along, a new governor. And now in chapter 25, we are going to see Paul stand before Festus. This is all going back to what happened in chapter 21 when he was accused of defiling the temple by bringing a Gentile. I mean, what a big stink the Jews were making uh, over this whole thing. And uh, over two years has passed, and uh, we're going to see in this chapter that Festus is kind of shocked at the, when he finds out why Paul's even there. It was really dumb that Paul was even on trial, but Paul appeals to Caesar, and so he ends up, we're going to see they're going to end up pushing it up to Rome. And really what we are seeing in these chapters, while it's a lot of details and, it's kind, and you know, a lot's going on, we're really seeing the signs of a situation where things are falling apart, where things are, uh, we're seeing the signs of a failing society. And as we go through, I'm going to point out some of these things, and then I want to kind of explain uh, how we're seeing some of these very things in our own country today. And we need to remember that it was only a few years after this when things completely fell apart. Now, I don't believe we are as bad in our country today when it comes to what we see wrong here, but you will see that we are quickly going down that path, and if if we continue down this path, things are going to fall apart, and I do think at this point, um, the choices are very clear. It's either major civil war or just absolute anarchy is, is is what's coming, all right, and I am not... Uh, trying to start a revolution or anything right now. But I'm just telling you, that's just what's going to happen when you look at the way things are going in our country, when you look at the direction of our government, when you look at what's going on morally in our country. It's just going to happen. History proves it. And so we'll see uh, some examples of this, and we'll, we'll talk about it as we go through this chapter. But in verse 1, it says, Now when Festus was come to, into the province, after three days he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him and desired favor against him that he would send for him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. So two years have passed since 
you know, this so-called crime has taken place with Paul and the Jews are still stewing about it. The Jews are still fig- trying to figure out what can we do to get Paul killed. And so they, even though Paul's in Caesarea, they're demanding, you need to bring Paul back to Jerusalem so he can be tried here. But the real th- thing that they wanted to do was to kill Paul while they were transporting him. And if you remember in chapter 21 or 22, it mentions how they took like a few hundred soldiers, I think, to take Paul to Caesarea because they were worried about that very thing. That's, and that's just how uh, much the Jews wanted him to die. They were so desperate to kill Paul that they figured, you know, well, you know, it's, we can't get to him in the prison, but we could potentially sabotage things while they're bringing him to Caesarea, which was going to result in them killing some Romans too. But they didn't care. The, the Jews were always kind of on the verge of a revolution anyway. They had a bunch of zealots that were always looking for a reason to fight. And so the truth is, if they could have succeeded in killing uh, the Romans and Paul, all they would have just done is blame the Palestinians after that. And I know they weren't around back then, but they would, they would have blamed somebody else. Uh, that's exactly what would have happened. And, um, you know, who knows what the results of that would have been. Uh, we know America would have been standing with them uh, during the whole thing. And I know America wasn't around back then, but you can just see how things don't really change much. But verse 4, it says, But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea, and that he himself would depart shortly thither. Let them therefore, said he, which among you are able, go down with me and accuse this man, if there be any wickedness in him. And when he had tarried among them more than ten days, he went down into Caesarea, and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. So they're just accusing him of all kinds of things, but no proof. And I've said this before, accusations without proof are nothing. And let me just say this too, because we live in the world of the social media juries, the social media you know, mob mentality and things. And understand this, proof that doesn't prove anything is also nothing. I see that a lot too. I've got proof this person's a railer. I've got a screenshot. Okay, I'm looking at the screenshot. It's not, you're not proving what you're accusing them of. No, I know this person is unsaved. You know, listen to what they said here. Listen, just because you think something's proof and just because some little thing has convinced you of the worst about somebody doesn't mean you've got the goods on them and understand if you actually have people who care about justice and right they're not going to go along with that and it is amazing some of the things i've had people over the years come to me with like look at this pastor tommy i've got the goods in this person they're definitely a reprobate this person is definitely unsaved what are you going to do about it and i'll look at that and i was like that's not proof this is nothing you know, I, and I, I referred to this story before where it, this was all, it had nothing to do with the church. It was just, it was online stuff, but someone was helping with something and a lynch mob decided, you know, had, had already declared this guy a reprobate and I didn't know. And so they, um, I remember they were telling like, no, this guy's a reprobate. We have proof. And so they had someone who was known for saving screenshots of everything that sent me like a whole file on this guy. They sent me a whole file with all this proof that this guy was a reprobate. And I remember I was like looking at all these screenshots and I'm like, 
this doesn't prove anything, this doesn't prove anything, this doesn't prove And it was just like, hey, this is weird. <laughs> I was like, this is super, this is so weird. And it was just like, you could interpret this as so many different things. These things aren't proof. But it had convinced the lynch mob, you know, that he was bad. And so it was like, well, you know, I'm actually trying to be just. I'm actually trying to do justice. And, it, and we see it all the time in the news media today. It's the same thing where you have the mobs, they've already decided that someone's racist. They've already decided, you know, that Trump started a riot that killed 6 million people on January 6th. I mean, they, you know, they've already decided that all this is the worst of everything. And the reason I said that, I heard somebody comparing it. Well, they were, like, trying to compare some of that stuff with Holocaust stuff. And it was just like, you do realize you're not allowed to compare anything to the Holocaust without getting canceled these days. But anyway, they, it was just like, uh, you know, our world is so quick to just start nailing people for everything. And it's always been that way. But let me tell you, people who are actually at the top of the food chain, people who actually get to places of leadership and position, they can't operate that way. Okay, The mobs are always the lowest of the low. They're always the crazies. They are always the ones that are under tribute. And you just, you can't, you know, societies can't function by mob rule. And folks, that's where we're heading in our country today. We're heading to a mob rule mentality. We're heading to uh, an, an attitude where, you know, what the majority says, that's the case. And said so even just recently, I'm seeing examples of this. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to get too sidetracked. But, you know, even just things like this, too, okay? Now, you've got people out there that think Elon Musk is like this great hero and defender of free speech and all that kind of stuff. But, you know... And, you know, because look, he let Trump back on Twitter. Yeah, after he did a poll and the majority said they should let Trump back on Twitter. But it's like, if Trump, if, if it's the right thing to do, then who cares what the majority says? Okay? Now, I'm glad he did it. He did another poll I saw today where he's asking if they should just basically, uh, you know, reinstate everybody that, like, lost their accounts as long as it wasn't for, like, you know, violence or crimes or things like that. But it's like, hey, if it's the right thing to do, just do the right thing. That, that's what you should do. But, you know, Elon Musk, at the end of the day for him, it's about the money. You know, it's about the money. But yet so many people, too, that are like freaking out that he's doing this, their attitude is he has no right to do this because, you know, Trump, you know, killed as many people as the terrorists on 9-11, you know, on January 6th when he incited violence and all these things. And it's just like, I mean, it is amazing all the things that people, and I'm not a Trump defender, but it's amazing all the things that people have just declared him guilty of. You know, that, and we see that kind of thing all the time, and just people go along with the mobs. It's really messed up stuff. And thank God, you know, when we have leadership who won't let those things happen, who will not go along with the mobs, who will not follow the multitude to do evil. And during this time in Rome, you know, they, we see them overall in the long run. They eventually do the right thing, but it took them forever, took way longer than it should have because of the fact that these weren't, you know, these weren't fantastic people uh, that were running things, but they did have some pretty good laws. And so, again, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We'll say more about that in a little bit, but look at verse four, or I'm sorry, verse eight it says, so while he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, 
nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. And notice what Paul said, I haven't done anything against the law. Referring to the the law of God. The things that Paul did were not in violation of the scriptures. Christians do not violate the Old Testament. And it's just a reminder uh, that, you know, we, to be obedient to the Old Testament is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. To be an, a, obedient to the New Testament is to be a part of a New Testament church, part of the New Covenant. And so verse 9 says, But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem and there be judged of these things before me? Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as thou well knowest. For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be one of these things whereof these accuse me, no man deliver me unto unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. So Paul, he tells him, he says, listen, if I've done something wrong, go ahead and kill me. You know, he's like, I refuse not to die if I've actually done something wrong, but I haven't done anything wrong. You know, I haven't done anything wrong. I don't need to stand before the Jews. I haven't done anything. I'm there in Caesar's court right now. And he said, I appeal unto Caesar. And you know what? On one hand, it's, it's hard to know if Paul did the right thing there. Because we're going to see here in this chapter, when he stands before Agrippa, they had no doubt he was innocent. But they ended up passing it up to Caesar because of the fact that he had appealed to Caesar. I think they might have done the right thing. But Paul... He was wise, though, to not let him, you know, go back to Jerusalem because just like Paul was aware of the conspiracy to kill him because he found out from his sister's son, chances are he knew about how they were wanting to lie and wait and kill him, too. You know, Paul, he was allowed to have people come minister to him. So Paul was finding things out. And so Paul, you know, he knew if he went to Jerusalem, uh, he was probably going to be killed. And so in verse 13... So Festus just agrees. He says, Unto Caesar thou shalt go. And it says, And after certain days, King Agrippa and Bernice came unto Caesarea to salute Festus. Now, while the Bible does not uh, specify this, we do know from history that Agrippa is one of the Herods that uh, is known as Herod Agrippa II in history. And so this this particular Agrippa or this Herod would have been the grandson of Herod the Great, the one that killed the babies. And he is the son of, he's only referred to as Herod in Acts 12. But according to history, that would be Herod Agrippa I. And he's the one whose bowels fell out. So this is the son of that guy. So this is a guy who comes from a long line of pretty wicked men. But men too... That according to history, you know, they tried to act like they were Jews, but the Jews knew they weren't really Jews. And so they would, they would, they would throw bones to the Jews. They would pretend to be Jews. So they were very aware of Jewish customs. They were aware of the law. They were, they were familiar with the word of God, the things of God, the things of the temple. Herod the Great, his grandfather definitely would have known about a lot of those things. He was the one that had the temple you know, greatly uh, refurbished and done and brought to its former glory. So they would have known a lot about the law. So when he's standing before guys like, uh, you know, guys like, you know, even Felix, whose wife was a Jewess, you know, guys like Herod are actually going to know more about the, you know, the word of God than many of these other people, and especially 
a lot more than the Romans. And so in verse 14, it says, And when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king, saying, There is a certain man left in bonds by Felix, about whom when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and elders of the Jews informed me, desiring to have judgment against him. To whom I answered, It is not the manner of the Romans to deliver any man to die before that which he is accused, have the accusers face to face and have license to answer for himself concerning the crime laid against them. So notice, you know, they have a process. You've got to respect people who have a process. You know who never has a process for judgment? Mobs. Mobs don't have a process. Mobs are angry and they want to lynch somebody. That's, that's the way it works. And that's gone on in our country before, and it's wicked. But civilized people have a process. Civilized people, you know, they, you know, if they're going to hear an accusation, you know, they, there's a process to that. There's going to be the witnesses. And they are also going to let the accused answer for themselves. It's amazing how many people today, they will hear an accusation, and then they will run with that accusation before they will hear what the accused has to say. You know, and, and then what's funny about that too is you know, every member of a lynch mob today you know, in the social media world, you know, they all demand that people you know, answer to them. So I've seen it before where you'll have a preacher in, you know, on, on the East Coast who has you know, a young railer punk from the West Coast call him up demanding that he answer for accusations against him. And he's like, dude, I don't know who you are. <laughs> and it's like, and so then I did my due diligence. Now I can go and I can, you know, echo the accusation against this guy. You know, that's not the way that works. Okay. I get accused of junk all the time, you know, and that's just how it is in the online mob world and things. But, you know, there needs to be an actual process. And, you know, if it's some, you know, so I don't think I'm required to answer just every nut job that's out there and you say well if you don't answer to them then they're going to say stuff about you that's fine you know but you know what's really sad you know nut jobs are always going to do what nut jobs do what's bad is when people listen to those nut jobs just like you know who are you to be accusing this guy you're not from their church you're not from that state you weren't there you know you heard secondhand you've got to have a process we've got to learn to do that and sometimes and i've been i've seen i've been in this situation many times where you know, you start hearing a bunch of stuff and people want you to get involved. But sometimes I've just had to say, you know what? This is just out of my jurisdiction. I am in no position to judge this situation. That's what I've done with many people before. I just always like, I, I'm not in any position to judge this situation. I don't know who this person is. I'm not in any way connected to them. I don't want to call them up. You know, and they, even if I call them up, they have no reason to answer to me. And so... You know, sometimes we do. This is the age of social media. We want to get involved in everything. Sometimes we just have to stay out of things. And I, I know, you know, it's in my nature to want to get involved in stuff. But, you know, you just, you can't always do that. You've got to have a process. And even the Romans, they had a process. And that was one of the reasons they became powerful. So it says, therefore, when they were come hither without any delay on the morrow, I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought forth. Against whom, when the accusers stood up, they brought none accusation of such things as I supposed. Boy, when I heard the way these people were talking about Paul, I figured they were going to be accusing him of, you know, inciting violence, you know, trying to start a revolution, 
you know, blaspheming or I don't, I thought it was going to be something crazy, but he said, but here's what it was, had certain questions against him of their own superstition and of one Jesus, which was dead, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. And because I doubted of such manners of questions, I asked him whether he would go to Jerusalem and there be judge of these matters. But when Paul had appealed to be reserved under the hearing of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I might send him to Caesar. So right here, you know, uh, Festus, he's just like, he's like, this, this doesn't even seem like something we should be judging. And remember that other story where they, uh, there was that, uh, where the Jews, they brought all, Paul to all these, uh, all these accusations to the leader there. And you know what he did? He ran the Jews out. He's like, you know, this is not something you should be bringing to me. And you know, when you have a doctrinal dispute, the last thing you should do is take them to court over that. You know, and to try to get them arrested, you know, they sh- you should get laughed out of court. But folks, that's all Paul did. They had a doctrinal difference. Paul didn't physically do anything. And in reality, he said he was right. But even if he wasn't right, this had no place in that court. And so it's obvious everyone that Paul has stood before has understood there's no proof. There is no just cause to put this guy to death. He hasn't done anything wrong, but he appealed to Caesar, so I'm going to send him to Caesar. And just keep this in mind, too. Um, notice how it refers to Augustus. Now, I, I, I didn't realize this, but when I, was, when I was studying this, I was like, Augustus, because you have Caesar Augustus, who was Caesar you know, in Luke chapter 2. But a lot of those, they had a lot of names, or they had similar names. This particular Augustus is actually... Uh, is actually Nero, which is interesting. Uh, I, and I didn't realize this, but Nero's full name uh, was Nero Claudius Caesar Augustus Germanicus. So we just all kind of know him as Nero. But, um, but he would have been, historically, that's who would have been um, emperor during this time. And, that, and Augustus was a part of his name. So this is a reference to Nero. And so in verse 22... Then Agrippa said unto Festus, I would also hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, thou shalt hear him. So Agrippa, he thought they were going to be accusing Paul of like violence, insurrection, but it was. It was just what Festus called a dispute about their own superstition. And so now Paul, he's going to be standing before a basically puppet king of Israel. That's who Agrippa was. And this is just one more court Paul's getting his case pushed up to. And, and here's what we've got to understand, too. This is how it's always been in the court system. And it's still this way today, even though we, you know, we don't think of it that much. Because, I mean, let's just face it. How often do any of us pay attention to trials around here? We don't. Okay? The only trials we pay attention to are the ones the news media tells us to pay attention to, and they show you know, like Kyle Rittenhouse, Johnny Depp, <laughs> Amber Heard. Um, what was the last one? We just we just watched it. Oh, uh, the Waukesha one. Okay, and so you know there you know, and then there was the big OJ trial, and that's like the most famous one ever. But you know, we 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 typically don't pay much attention to these things. But at the same time. The goal of any trial, and for very good reason, is not just to get the bad guy or free the innocent or prove innocent, but to give enough proof 
of the final decision to make everyone happy or at least to get people to shut up. And that that's ultimately what you're trying to do because you do, you want to keep the people happy. You don't want the citizens rising up against you. You don't want riots taking place. And so whenever they're, you know, so so like in the Kyle Rittenhouse case, you had the people that immediately declared him guilty of being a white supremacist, racist, who slaughtered a bunch of black people and on, you know, in the, whatever that event was. Okay? And so it didn't matter that all the people he shot were white. Doesn't matter that there was videos of him being attacked. Didn't matter that he got injured or any of those things. So the thing is, you had human beings in the court system. You had human beings with a soul on the jury. So they actually are wanting to do things right. And even though they knew there's probably going to be riots and stuff, thankfully they did the right thing. And thankfully, you know, the country didn't get tore apart too much. You know, thankfully, uh, you know, uh, whatever the city was didn't get tore apart again too much. But I think part of it was because there was so much proof and, uh, of, of his innocence. And so they do. They make a really big deal about those things. Because think about it. Had they not televised that, had they not released the videos just showing how innocent he was, and they would have just ran him through and then, like, declared him guilty to keep those people happy, well, you know what? Those things would have leaked out in the Internet, and people like us would have found out. And, you know, you would have had the right-wingers, you know, maybe start going crazy, you know. And so the thing is, in, in, whenever these things happen, the court system, it's not always a matter of we love justice. We want to get the bad guy or, and, you know, it, it, sometimes it's just we got to keep everybody happy. And you can't keep a society civil and happy if people are dying all the time and no one's getting in trouble. And you can't keep them happy if people are getting in trouble when they shouldn't be getting in trouble. So at the end of the day, a lot of what they do in court, it's about keeping the peace. You know, and maybe that's why they call them justice of the peace and things like that. They're trying to keep peace. And, and that's fine. You know, that's good. But, the, but we're going to see when you start getting certain elements in your society, these things become very fragile and start to fall apart. So we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But let's keep going through the story. So verse 23 says, And on the morrow when Agrippa was come and Bernice with great pomp, and was entered into the place of hearing with the chief captains and the principal men of the city at Festus's commandment, Paul was brought forth. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all men which are here present with us, ye see this man about whom all the multitude of the Jews have dealt with me, both at Jerusalem and also here crying that he ought not to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I have determined to send him, of whom I have no certain thing to write unto my Lord, wherefore I have brought him forth before you, and specially before thee, O King Agrippa, that after examination had, I might have somewhat to write. For it seemeth to me unreasonable to send a prisoner, and not withal to signify the crimes laid against him. And so here we kind of have another abrupt ending to the chapter, and then the next chapter begins where Paul begins to speak and to give his defense to Agrippa. But what I want to focus on, though, from this story is how everyone that Paul has stood before, and he stood before a lot of people so far, every one of them in the story, they have said they couldn't find any cause of death. 
But at the same time, why didn't any of these people just declare him innocent? Okay, you found out, you know, that he didn't do it. He's got a good alibi. The accusers haven't provided any proof. Just let him go. Just end this thing. But nobody did it. Okay, and why was that? And I'm telling you, it's the, it's the same reason that we're seeing some of the things we're seeing in our country today. Because, so we've been talking about the political instability during that time. But here's what we've got to understand. If a nation is going to run smooth, okay, if we are going to have a successful country. Okay, so, for example, our country right now, we are, we're, we're getting embarrassed quite a bit. One of the things that our nation is embarrassed by is um, all the mass shootings that we have. You know, people talk about how they don't have mass shootings in other countries. Well, it's you know, also because they don't have guns. In those countries, they're embarrassed because of their lack of freedom, you know. And, you know, so the thing is, every country has something to be embarrassed by. I still think America's better than other countries, for sure. But we do have things we should be embarrassed by, okay. But everyone is, you know, you know that's one of the things that people complain about. That's why there's all this constant fighting uh, you know, in Congress and stuff in the news media, just trying to get more gun control passed and all that kind of stuff. But here's what, so the, the thing is, there is instability. You know, in 2020, we had a lot of riots. You know, you have, you know, we have, are seeing situations where you've got cops shooting black people, sometimes justified, sometimes not so much. Sometimes it's just not clear. And what do you have? You've got maniacs, tearing the country apart as a result of it. And nobody likes this stuff. You know, so thankfully, you know, a lot of the crazy stuff has, has calmed down. But, you know, let's just say I was pretty happy to get my concealing carry when I did, you know, in 2020 because I was, like, I was starting to get nervous because things were getting so bad in so many places. And, and it is, it, in a lot of cities and things, it's still bad all the time. I mean, just some of the videos I've seen recently of stuff going on, it's pretty horrible. But here's what... If a nation's going to run smoothly, it needs a few things. It needs good laws, it needs good leaders, and it needs good people who respect the laws and the leaders. If you have those three things, things are going to run smoothly. When any of these three things go bad, what you start having is instability. That's what it, But things can still be okay as long as two out of the three are good. But when two out of the three go bad, that's when things get really bad. And so the two things that were bad during this time, it was the leaders and the people. Their laws were actually pretty good. You know, they actually had some structure. You know, why, but unfortunately, things were falling apart because of the fact, you know, you had the Jews who had a completely different way of life than the Romans, okay? Jews and Romans were not meant to live amongst each other, okay? Now, folks, you know, this, one of the reasons we have a lot of the instability we do in our country that's more than other countries is because of the fact that we are a melting pot, okay? Now, listen, I'm not, there is nothing biblically wrong with interracial stuff and, you know, people living amongst each other, but at the same time, okay, we do have to unite under certain things we do have to unite under certain laws and things and so the thing is you know if we start letting a bunch of muslims come in here and they want to start living like muslims it's not going to work in our society you know why 
because we don't believe in beating your wife. You know, we don't believe in, you know, all, we don't believe in Sharia law and all these things that they're doing. And so it's just, it's just not going to work, you know, and, you know, you've, and so because we're becoming such a melting pot and we have good cultures and we have bad cultures, it just, it's, it's creating turmoil. And so you have other countries where, again, people, their people aren't saved, you know, but the thing is, they are a better culture. They have strong family values. There is kind of, you know, they have close communities. They're, they're not immoral people. You know, those societies typically do very well and don't feel like shooting each other. But we, are, in our country, we are mixing everyone up. And there are. There's good cultures and there's bad cultures. I'm not going to stand here today and take the time to tell you which cultures are good and which ones are bad. But I'm just telling you, when you mix those up, it's going to get ugly. When we see in Islamic countries how they're all killing each other as it is, why do we think they're going to be, they're, they're going to be, they're going to hate us even more. The problem, you know, and the reason it's not as crazy over here yet is because there's just not enough of them because they're such a small minority. You look at African countries. What are they doing to each other over there all the time? They're always killing each other over there too. So what do you think if we bring that culture over here and then they, they become strong or become a minority without changing their culture, you know, what? they're going to, they're going to do the same thing over here. It's just, it's just the way it is. And you can call it racist or whatever. I just call it reality. Okay. It, you know, I'm, uh, there's bad white culture too. You know, you've got your trailer trash culture where they don't care who they fool around with, whether it be a relative, whether, you know, whether they're married, not married, you know, underage, that kind of culture is absolute garbage. And you know what? They need to live out in the backwoods where they can all just, you know, eventually die out from, you know, all their weird birth defects and stuff because there's not enough branches in the family tree. All right. That's that's what needs to happen to them. And I mean, we do. We've got there's such a thing as white trash. And I can say that because I'm white. Okay. now, if you're not white, don't you dare say anything about it, because then you're then you're a racist. And I'm apparently I'm supposed to get offended and go bust some windows somewhere. But but, you know, so either either way. You know, it's not always about the culture being saved. You know, it's not what it's about because there are there are thriving cultures and there have been thriving cultures throughout history that were not saved. But you know what? They had laws that had some structure to them. You had people that wanted to be at peace and that followed those things. You had leaders that had a care and concern for their people. You know, and I do. I think there's lost people that have a genuine care and concern for their people and a genuine care and concern for their nation. And they have. They've been... They've been successful. There's a lot of saved people that I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust them to run anything in our government. Well, I think we need to have saved leaders. Well, I, I definitely prefer saved leaders. But let me tell you, that can't be the only qualification. Because we got a lot of guys, they can't even run their homes. You know, and, and we want to put them over Congress or something. I don't care if they're right on the gospel. They can't even run their home. So, no, they're not qualified. Oh, well, that other guy, he's a Mormon. Oh, that stinks. He's going to go to hell when he dies. But he's also got a very, you know, good, functioning, successful family. And, you know, they've, he's, you know, built good, functioning, successful businesses. And, you know, he's honest and moral. You, all, literally, all you have going for you is you're saved. I'll take the Mormon. You know, t- tell me what, don't, you know, call me whatever as a result of that. But, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, too, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. 
And so one of the, the thing is when you ha- it's you can still thrive. Like I in our country right now, we ha- we are we're a country where we have good laws for the most part. Now we're losing it. We're losing that all the time. It's it's slowly changing. Our constitution is slowly going away, but we have had we we have had good laws for a very long time and we still do have pretty good laws. Okay? It's still technically constitutional to have a speedy trial by a jury of her peers. Now, it's not happening that often. You know, it's definitely not a speedy trial. It takes forever sometimes. You know, we're, we're letting these things slip away. But because we have pretty good laws, it's helped hold things together in this country. But here's what, where we've, got, we've been bad for a long time, is bad leaders. We have had bad leaders for a very long time. Okay? And our, our leaders, for the most part, I do agree and believe that they are very wicked, most of them, and I don't think they have the best interest of the people. Some of them do. You know, there, there's definitely exceptions out there, but it's those bad leaders that are the ones that are changing all these laws. And it's also these bad leaders that are not enforcing the good laws that we still have. And so as a result of that, you know what we've had for a long time? Instability. And it's getting worse. And then the other thing that has, is changing very much is the people. And so, right, I, I would say the two worst things out of the three. I think our laws are superior to the, the people in this country for the most part. And they're definitely superior to the leaders. I actually think our leaders are worse. I don't think, I, I understand they're a reflection to a certain extent of the people, but I think they're actually worse. I think because of the fact that so many things have been uh, rigged to get them in. There's been so many sneaky things that have been going on behind the scenes, especially with judges and things that have been put in a lot of high places. And it's, you know, don't get me going and all that stuff. But either way, because of that, because the people are getting so wicked, things are more unstable than they've ever been in this country. And so Exodus 23.1 says, Thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil, neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment, neither shalt thou countenance a poor man in his cause. Now, what this is talking about here, this is a little foreign to us because of the fact that when it comes to most things, when it comes, when, when it, uh, as far as court and everything, we are not very involved in it at all. We have no idea what's going on, but there was a time when the congregation was a big part of it. There was a time when, you know, they would have judges, but you'd also have the congregation that was a part of the process too. You would have a judge that would kind of oversee what was going on. But at the end, the, the congregation would often decide things to a certain extent. That's what was going on with Paul. It was the congregation that kept accusing Paul. Because the mob is all accusing Paul, because the mob is all saying, away with him, the Romans are taking him away. Because the mob is all saying, he's bad, he needs to be put to death. They're actually putting them on trial and doing all these things. And what they are doing right there is a direct violation of what God told them not to do in Exodus 23 because the people were a big part of the process. And so one of the reasons Paul is going through a joke court system right now is because the people were so bad. And and again, it was causing the... And because the leaders were cowards, they weren't standing up to the people like they should have. Well, And the thing is... One of the reasons things have been good, even though the leadership has been bad in this country for a long time, is because when our people were decent, 
When we had more righteousness in our nation, when we had more good moral people, the leaders feared the righteous. And we see even the Romans, they feared the Jews. And let me tell you, our politicians, they do. They, they do fear us to a certain extent. The problem is, when we let them get away with being wicked, then what do they have to fear? When we no longer are speaking out against the wickedness that's going on, when we're not doing anything to stop them, when we are encouraging them to do bad, that right there, we are participating in that. Listen, these are leaders who do unlawful things, our leaders who do unconstitutional things, you know what would happen if we had decent people? They would get voted out by such a massive landslide that you know what? The rest of the politicians would look at that and say, I better follow the Constitution. Think about that. If we just had a nation of people that love the Constitution and we were voting out people for violating the Constitution... All those wicked leaders, because they're cowards, you know what they would do? They'd follow the Constitution. And you know what that would do? That would make things be stable. We'd still be doing okay. We'd still be able to function and go forward. But the problem is, our country is just going downhill. We're becoming more and more wicked. And, that, and that's why we're seeing the instability. And even people who are technically on the right, you know, lean more to the right, we're seeing them constantly buckled to the woke mob, constantly, you know, going along with cancel culture stuff, you know, refusing to say certain truths that everybody knows are true. And you know what it's doing? All it's doing is making where they can push more bad laws through. I mean, the January 6th thing, for example, you know, one of the bad things that happened as a result of that is the news media got so united in the condemnation, everything that went along with that, that all the Republicans, they just shut up about everything. And just started going along with everything. And now all they got to just do is invoke January 6th. And then Republicans just back down. And it's really, it's really scary because when this kind of thing's going on, it's a sign that things are falling apart. And folks, people aren't getting happier. Think, think about all that has been given to the Black Lives Matter crowd. But has it made them any happier? Has it caused their riots to get any less violent? Think about the homo crowd. Look at all that they've been given. Has it made them any less crazy? Has it made them any less perverted? Or has it only spread more? It, 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 it doesn't help. You know what they're doing? These non-binary freaks, they're going shooting up gay bars is what they're doing. And yeah, and it was a non-binary. It was one of them. It was one of their own. They were, they were hoping it was going to be one of ours. But, you know, we actually love law. We love law and order. And we, we believe, uh, you know, in the Constitution. We believe in following a process but these animals don't. And that's why they're capable of doing this type of thing. And so when, when the people get wicked leaders, so we can, if we would just do the right thing, you know, we might have problems, we might have opposition, but overall I believe we could succeed. And, when, and the thing is too, if, if you have wicked people and you have good laws and decent leaders, I believe you can still succeed too. Because I do, I believe that we see throughout the Bible that when you would have good leaders, God would bless them. And I, and I do, I believe God wants to use the leaders. God wants to bless these people. And I do, I believe if we had godly leaders, even if we had ungodly people, I believe they would still be successful. And so what we're seeing happen today, it's, it's very similar, or what we're seeing happen in our world that's similar 
to what was going on in Paul's day that's always happened in the cancel culture world is you have massive amounts of people that just start making a ton of noise and accusations and people, instead of being leaders and saying there's nothing wrong, they're trying to appease the multitudes and go along. And so that's what's going, you know, that's what, you know, that's why Elon Musk was testing the wind. You know, let's see what the mobs say and I'll just go along. But it, listen, hey, you own Twitter. You can do what you want to with it. You know what he should have said? I find no fault. He's restored. You know, that, that's, what he, that's what he should have done. You know, it's his thing. If I ever start a platform like that, you better believe I'm going to exercise that kind of power. And I, I'll, I'll kick people off just because I didn't, you know, just because they were a homo or something or just because I didn't, I didn't I like who they voted for or something. You know, I, I would do something like that. But, you know, the, the truth is he's not really being an example of a strong leader. And we do. We need leaders that are just going to step up and say, you know what, I don't give a rip if I get reelected. This is what the Constitution says. I made a vow to uphold the Constitution. I'm going to do the right thing. And that's what all these leaders should have said. Paul never should have went to Caesar. All of these leaders that he stood before, they have all agreed Paul did nothing wrong, but yet they were scared of the multitude. They were scared of things falling apart, but we just have to do right. We can't follow a multitude to do evil. And what we need to keep in mind when we're comparing the political instability of our day and, you know, to this day is said, just remember, it was only a few years after this that everything fell apart. And I'm telling you right now, if we do not have a revival in this nation of the people, then it's only a matter of time and this system is just going to completely crumble and fall apart. We will probably go into civil war or something like that. I do not think we'll have a revival amongst our leaders. Uh, even if Trump and DeSantis get in, I don't believe they're going to spark a revival amongst our leaders because uh, I, I just I, I don't I don't think that's going to take place. But I do think if we ha if if we could have a revival in this country before they've shred shred the Constitution too much, you know, we could potentially see things get better. But you know, either way you look at it, I know what I'm going to do either way. You know, and that's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago about being instant in season, out of season. You know, we don't make our decisions on how we're going to operate based on, you know, what is going on in the political world. We do it either way. I'm still going to be making homophobic tweets even if Elon Musk doesn't do anything about it. I, I don't care. I'm still going to, I'm going to preach what I preach, whether it's legal, illegal. I'm not waiting to see what they decide with the laws. You know, I might be waiting to see if I need to, uh, you know, pack my bags and go, you know, hide or something. But, you know, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to change with these things. And I wish we'd get some leaders that are like that. But hopefully looking at the story and seeing the foolishness of this court system, it'll help you understand what's going on today. And they are that. And I, I think that's one of the reasons, too, they're violating the Constitution and taking so long to get anything to court. I think they're hoping that the mobs are going to forget about it. But let me tell you, the cancel culture mob never forgets. Okay? The, the Jews, it was two years later, they still wanted Paul dead. And let me tell you, there's people out there, they've been hating on us for a long time, and they, they never forget. They never forget, and you know what? As soon as the right person tells them, get mad at Tommy McMurtry again, you know what they're going to do? They're going to get mad at Tommy McMurtry again. 
They're going to let these people pull their strings. And it's just the way it's always been. Nothing's going to change until Jesus comes back. But ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is coming back and he's going to rule with a rod of iron. And I believe he's going to use us. And I hope he lets us swing the rod a few times. Uh, I don't know how it's going to work exactly, but I'm looking forward to that day. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you uh, for this, uh, this chapter and the lessons that we can learn from it. And dear Lord, we do uh, ask for mercy on our country, Lord, and, and, and we pray for revival. Uh, it's definitely a mess. Lord, I pray that uh, our nation will just wake up. Lord, I, I know they've crossed so many lines and it just seems like people are still sleeping, but I pray that they'll be awakened to the perversion and wickedness that's being uh, shoved down our throats and that people will rise up against it and we'll push back and uh, see our country go in a more righteous direction. In your name we pray. Amen.